hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Pastor Greg asked me a few weeks ago if I'd be willing to share some of my testimony and how it ties in with where we're in in Romans 14, 17, specifically related to peace in the Holy Spirit. And I have the joy and privilege to talk to you about how peace fits in with this call to action that Paul gives us, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But before we dive in there, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I am so grateful uh, to be up here tonight to be able to share your word with others and to preach to myself and to preach to whoever will listen. But Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, by the power of your spirit, that we would be focused. I pray, God, you'd help us lay aside anything that may be distracting us tonight. Pray you'd help us uh, by the mind of Christ that we would think clearly. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified and honored in what we talk about tonight. I pray that this speaks to somebody, even if it's just me, but I pray, Lord, that someone would be encouraged, somebody may even be saved, and that we would grow closer to you, Lord Jesus, because of the time that we spend together. Thank you for this tremendous privilege that we have, Lord, and I pray we take full advantage of it now as we talk about your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Pastor Rod last week shared from Romans chapter 14, encouraging us to follow our convictions, but to be careful that our convictions don't override what the scriptures say to us. It's pretty important. And Pastor Rod also reminded us that Romans 14 tells all of us that call on the name of Christ are on the same sanctification journey, but each of us may be at different places along that journey. And when I heard that, it sounded a lot to me like this was being careful about making judgments about what we do or do not think about other people without knowing all the facts. Now, this is a really good warning to me, and I'll full disclosure, my wife and I have been trying to say this phrase, either ourselves or to each other, I don't have all the facts. When we start to get judgy, about an issue that happens to be one of our hot buttons. And I bet all of us have some hot button that may not be something that is scriptural. Maybe it is something that's a matter of eating and drinking. So feel free to use the phrase, I'm not gonna trademark it. You might say to yourself sometime, I don't have all the facts before we judge somebody else. Now there are a couple of ways that we can look at this peace in the Holy Spirit from Romans 14, 17. But I think we need to know specifically what type of peace that Paul's talking about, what we're reading about here in Romans 14, 17. The Greek word that used here is irene. It means peace or oneness, rest or wholeness. This is not the peace that we sometimes think about, which can mean just the absence of conflict or the absence of war. This irene, it goes much, much deeper than that. It's deeper than just a lack of conflict. It's a completeness and it's a wholeness and it's a rest. In this definition of peace, nothing is missing. Not just conflict, 
not just war, not just turmoil. And from what I could count, and you know, this is hard sometimes when you're reading tiny little things on concordances, but this word for peace is used almost a hundred times in the New Testament. And I'd highly encourage you all to do a read-through of all those verses. It was super, super impactful. You see things like the title that's used over and over again, the God of peace, the God of Irene. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. I find it interesting sometimes how often you see words and you don't realize, oh wow, you say things over and over again. And that one struck me. I didn't realize, oh wow, that is part of Galatians 5. It's also used in many, many greetings and in the blessings that Paul shares in the beginning of many of his letters to the churches that start with grace and peace to you. The greeting is basically a prayer of blessing that this peace be granted to you and to me. So I would ask that we kind of keep that definition in our minds as we talk through this. I'm not using PowerPoint today. I apologize ahead of time. I don't have slides, but Lord willing, if I ever get to come back, I will hopefully have more time to be able to figure out timing of slides. Uh, another confession. I'm used to doing my own slides and clicker and PowerPoints on Zoom and other things. So I just didn't want to get lost and confused because I'm not used to it yet. But I'm going to practice in case Greg asked me again. But we also need to understand that this peace can be both an individual experience and it can also be a shared experience as all believers have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And the type of peace that's in this verse here, it's the shared experience with all believers that are part of the big C church. And we know this because Paul uses the term right here the kingdom of God in this section. Verse 17 reads, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. The entire kingdom, which we are individually a part of as believers in Christ, but it's also confirmed that this is the context, this shared experience. In verse 19, Paul says, So then let us, not singular you, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. This wholeness that Paul's talking about here is meant to be pursued and experienced both individually and collectively, with the end result that wholeness and upbuilding is for all involved. Does that make sense? Does that sound like something you might want to be a part of? Pursuing peace and mutual upbuilding. When I hear that, I'm like, yeah, I want to be part of that. And you know, when I first started praying about what and how to share some of my testimony, I thought about a couple stories that should hopefully highlight how, testimon how testimonies can be viewed. The first is a testimony of salvation, specifically how we're saved. And the second is a testimony of sanctification, like how God is setting us apart for his work through us. So I'll share both of those with you tonight. The first one is a testimony of salvation. When we were first saved, there's a wholeness and a peace that is 
almost completely describe, it's almost impossible to describe it, that it surpasses all understanding. That release that you get from the guilt and the shame and the freedom to know you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, translated from darkness into his marvelous light, born again, given a new mind and a new heart. Can you think back to the time when you first believed? Mine was 28 years ago. I remember this time like few things in my aging memory, but this one was so powerful it's hard to to get past. And I probably don't think about it as much as I should. See, I was lost, I was miserable, and no one except the Lord had any clue. On the outside, people would have thought that I had it all going on. I had a great job. I had good friends. I had parents and siblings that loved me, but I was broken. And I knew I was lost, but I had no clue how to be found or to be made whole. I was drowning myself at that time in my life in a crazy lifestyle of partying to mask what was going on on the inside. And one night after a night of total debauchery, I was curled up on my bed, totally inebriated, asking God, what in the blank is wrong with me? And I didn't use the word blank. I was really blunt with God. See, I, I always believed there was a God. Never remember a time in my life that I didn't think there was a God. The issue for me was that I had no idea He cared about me. I thought He just didn't care what happened to me. Didn't care what I was doing to myself or others around me. But after meeting my future bride, just a couple of weeks after that incident, she invited me to church. And I was very much like Pastor Ron with his bride. Every time he tells the story, I just giggle because he says, I'd go anywhere she asked me to go. And to be honest, I don't even think I heard when she said to church. I think I just heard her say, do you want to go do anything with me? And I was like, sure, wherever you go, baby, I'll follow you. But you know what? God used that desire to draw me to himself. Because the moment that I heard the gospel, that very first day I went to church with her, I was able to hear the gospel preached. I'd heard it many times before. I didn't even know that I'd heard it many times before until I actually had my ears open on that day. I actually heard and believed that God loved me because Jesus humbled himself in the form of a man. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross to pay for my sins. And I didn't need any convincing. I knew I was a sinner in need of cleansing. That wasn't an issue for me. I confessed Jesus as Lord, and I believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead. That's Romans 10, 17, right? And what happens when you do that? The word of the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God says, what happens when you do that? You will be saved. 
the wholeness and the peace that we're talking about right here in Romans 14, 17 was overwhelming to me. For the first time in my life, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loved me. He made me new. A whole new creature in Christ. My position in Christ was one of peace and wholeness. Now, practically, we all know I wasn't there. And I'm still not. And I know this because I'm right here. We're still in these flesh tents. There's still this other part of our testimony that he works out. And this is the testimony of sanctification. How God works in us and through us, making us practically more whole, more complete, more peaceful. This process, this can be really challenging. You know, we're probably going to have to go through some stuff, right? I know I'm not alone because nobody gets out of this life without hard knocks and hard times. I'm going to share a couple of tough times that I've been through, and I'm going to share some that I'm currently going through. One is self-inflicted, and the others aren't. They're kind of a what it is what it is. And, and you don't always know the rhyme or reason or the point of why you sometimes go through hard knocks. Sometimes you do it to yourself. I, I get that, and we'll talk about one of those right here. This first one happened September 18th, 2007. I was in a really big hurry, setting up a tree stand for deer hunting. Thought it needed to be set up yesterday. That's the kind of hurry I was in. I just finished putting in the last screw step in the tree, in this humongous pine tree. I stepped on a branch that was anywhere from 16 to 18 feet, and it either broke or I slipped. I really don't know to this day. I reached for another branch and it broke. And if any of you remember the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show, Wiley Coyote, that was the last thing that crossed my mind was the Wiley Coyote, whoop, going down. And then I was on my face. I landed stiff-legged. I didn't know this until later. And then I fell on my stomach. But to this day, I don't remember hitting the ground. I wasn't knocked out. And I was told this is a huge blessing for people that have fallen from this height. Typically, people have these recurring nightmares and picturing what happened over and over again. But I've never had one nightmare. It's really wild. I also didn't have any pain until I tried to get up. I thought I just sprained my ankle, needed to walk it off, you know, just rub some dirt in it, right? Just... Get back in the game. You're good. Newland, can you go? Yeah, sure, I can go. But instead, I started screaming from the pain. It turned out I shattered my calcaneus, broke my malleolus in my left leg. I sheared off my tibia plateau on my right, on my right leg, and I fractured my left wrist. After what must have been a beautiful helicopter ride over the Grand Canyon, but I was all drugged out and morphine, I don't remember, spent 10 days in the Flagstaff Medical Center. 
had surgery to repair both my legs on day five and to wait for the swelling to go down some so I could be released to go home. Never forget this. In a moment of clarity on all of the drugs that I was on, the doctor telling me that walking is going to be huge for me. He said, these are two of the worst breaks that I've ever seen, and you happen to have both of them. I was in for a marathon of therapy, and he wasn't kidding. I spent three months in a wheelchair before I took my first steps. Spent a full year in physical therapy, three days a week, relearning to walk. I've since had five more surgeries related to the fall, including fusing my neck at C4, 5, and 6. I'm not sharing this so that I can brag on all, about all the ways God blessed us through this, but He did. My wife Mindy and I didn't just have amazing experiences of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit through all of this. We had some really tough times of intense fellowship. I don't know if any of you guys have ever had that in your marriages, but, you know, some anger and some backbiting and there was some, we butted heads and we were both exhausted and we wanted things to return to normal, whatever that means, right? But overall, I will tell you, he was so faithful to get us through, even though we disagreed with him about how much we thought we could handle. And it is crazy, right? When you go through tough times, sometimes you want to question the scriptures that say he doesn't give us more than we can handle. And I'm sure some of you have been there just like I have. It was the most exhausting, painful, and maybe glorious times in my life. I was experiencing God show up all the time when I thought there was no way I could endure more treatment, tearing up scar tissue, surgeries, therapy to try to get back what I lost. And I, I haven't got back all that I lost. I can run, but I don't because it's too hard on my foot that has since been fused two times. My left foot's pretty locked in. I mean, if a bear's chasing me, I'd figure out how to run, but that's only so I don't live through being attacked. If I thought I would die, I'd probably just wait. That's supposed to be a joke about... Okay. Don't do jokes. I should not do jokes. Um, I was told I shouldn't be out hiking on uneven surfaces with this foot and the partial knee replacement and the other leg, but I love the outdoors and I still get out to enjoy His creation. And you know what? He gave me His peace and the Holy Spirit through all this that propelled me to endure the pain and keep pushing forward when I, I wanted to give up. Not perfectly. Without some doubts creeping in at times, there were times where I just literally needed to know, God, can you just hold my hand through this? And I don't know if any of you have ever had to break up scar tissue on your own where they say, go home and break that up. Pull on it. And you're screaming I'm like, Lord, I can't do it. I'm too tired, man. I'm exhausted. I've already taken too many pain pills. I can't do it. And I remember him just, it felt like he told me, just ask, what do you want from me? And I'm like, can you just hold my hand? And I literally just put my hand on the bed. I didn't feel his hand, but I felt him. 
able to. And if this isn't enough, I mean, we all have things. The other experience that I'll share is what's happening to me right now. Two and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer about 20 years earlier than most men are diagnosed with it. Congratulations, I'm an overachiever. And for two years, we did nothing but aggressive monitoring because they thought, well, at your age, it isn't growing very fast. Let's just keep an eye on it. Keep doing these tests over and over again. But you know what? In February, I'm sorry, I needed to back up. For two years, we did the aggressive monitoring until we found out that it was growing much faster than they thought. So in February of this year, I had a prostatectomy to remove my prostate and hopefully remove all of the cancer when I really didn't want to do it. But I have a wife and two sons that were like, Dad, seriously, fight. So we prayed and I said, all right, I'll take it out. I'll have it out. I knew there'd be risk. I knew there'd be side effects. But we prayed and we trusted that this was the right course of treatment for me at my age. And so far, praise God, Here's all the cancers out. Found out I was of Thursday. <laughs> Thank you. You know, that's bittersweet too. Because as I struggled a little bit this week with, huh, I didn't finish everything before Thursday. Because I'm like, this message could go really weird. It could go a different way. I could be telling you that, oh my gosh, the cancer's back. And now I have to do this. And in three months, I have to get checked again. So there's this weird, okay, the next thing. And I think that's what's hard sometimes in this life, right? To know that God doesn't just always say, hey, great, you're cancer-free and it's never going to return. Because we all know unless he calls us up in the rapture, we're all going to die at some point. And when these things come up, it is, it's hard for me. Maybe it's not hard for you. Maybe I'm the only one who says, holy cow, I got to have this test on Thursday. And doubt did creep in a little bit. And the other thing that's tricky is I don't have all of my faculties back yet. Hopefully the, the functions are going to return. But if it doesn't, he's been there through me with all of it. The pain, the exhaustion, the sometimes embarrassment when there's an accident in public and they do happen. But in all honesty, I haven't been living in constant peace and wholeness through it all. There were definite times that I was scared, tired, had doubts, thought about not fighting. But overall, he's been so faithfully faithful to do exactly what he said he would do. Be there until the very end. He said in this life, you'll have trouble. But you're going to have troubles. All of you are going to have troubles in this life. But he said he overcame the world, and we don't have to fear because he overcame the world. He said he's faithful to call us and to sanctify us. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8.28, right? It's a promise to us. All these things work out ultimately for our good. They don't feel good at the time, but ultimately he works them out that way. But do we believe it? 
do we hold on to it when it's really hard to hold on sometimes? Sometimes, from my perspective, I don't know where you are. Sometimes I just need to know that he's holding me when my grip starts to be lost. <laughs> and if this isn't enough of stuff that's happening, <laughs> I just retired this Tuesday from the company I was with for 21 years. But I want to make sure that it's clear because a lot of people have said, oh my gosh, congratulations on your retirement. I'm like, oh, I don't think they heard what I said, but I said it on purpose. I'm retiring from the company I was at. I don't have any plans to retire. I just am looking forward to some other things. I want to pursue some other different ministry opportunities. I know that for 21 years that God had me there and things were, were done in so many incredible ways and just blessed to be blessed by others and to be a blessing sometimes to other people. But I'll be honest, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of chasing my 401k balance to get to where I thought it should be so I could go all in with serving and not care about what I was paid or all this stuff. And you know what? It's ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous. And I'm confessing. I'm not justifying the behavior about chasing the 401k balance. But I also know I'm not alone. Somebody here might be struggling with the same thing and might be able to relate. We don't always experience the peace and the wholeness that He's granted us in the Holy Spirit to not live in doubt or worry or fear that He'll provide for us. He says He'll provide for us. But right here in Romans 14, 19, if you look two verses down, He literally says, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Not living in fear, in shame, in guilt, or doubt, or whatever else may be holding us back from this peace and wholeness in the Holy Spirit. Notice again, it's a command to us to do it together. If we're going to do this, there are some things we should probably agree on that we've already looked at, like we were looking at this last week pursuing righteousness. We need to lay aside judging each other over differences that are probably best labeled eating and drinking. You know, we could try something like this. Like, how about we don't cancel each other or put each other on blast with our thumbs on social media over political issues or politicians that are not Jesus? Last time I checked the polls, Jesus is not on them. And if you want to take that up with me, you can send an email to butch at dpc.org. Oh, no, you can't. I don't have that email. I know I say that a little harsh. But I think we need to hear this. My gosh, look at what's going on in our society. We can't have a civil conversation with each other. People can't have civil discourse and comments about some article or something somebody did. We decide... Hey, they should lose their job. They should get kicked out of that university. They should do this. And there, some of them are things that probably are important. 
Don't get me wrong. Some of our political issues are very important. I hold some of them very deeply in my own convictions. And some of them are biblical convictions. But an awful lot of it is we have got to stop being so mean. Stop cutting people off and not having conversations with each other. Civility and pursuing peace as much as it lies within us is demanded of us. These aren't requested. It's not like we could blow them off because our favorite person to come and save our perceived best life now is somebody we should exalt and make them our savior. And then we're going to blast other people that disagree with that person that we think needs to be the next president or the current president or the next one to come. Or it doesn't have to be president. It could be anywhere down the line. I've, I've never seen, I'm not that old, but at 55, I've never seen it this crazy where people just get on and blast each other. And next thing you know, that person loses their job they, because they disagreed with something you said politically or about gender or sexuality or name the thing. Like, what? If we're Christians doing that, then shame on us. Because it does clearly say, commands us to live peaceably amongst all men, all men and women, as much as it lies within us. What we could do instead is we could recognize that we're each intricately woven together in our mother's wombs, originally created in his image. And remember that each of us marred that image with our own voluntary sin. But we can and we should recognize those of us in Christ are his workmanship. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in those works. That's Ephesians 2.10, right? We could also appreciate the different ways that God is sanctifying us to be more like his son Jesus. We could press each other to love and good works like my brother, Pastor Rod, right here. Like he's done for me for almost 20 years. Iron, like him, sharpening iron like me, who needs sharpening a lot. Showing love and grace and forgiveness when I fell short. Encouraging me to dust off, confess, get back on the horse, ride on, brother. No need to wallow in sin or regret. I heard these words from him many times. And I am so grateful, brother. And doggone it, I'm up here today sharing God's word with you all in spite of the times of doubt and sometimes regret. He moves us forward. I could have wallowed in shame. I did that my whole life. I'm sick of that. I hope you're sick of it too because you don't need to. Jesus paid it all. Not partially or only the really big stuff, or just the little stuff. It sounds stupid, doesn't it? But don't we do this sometimes? We act like he can't or he won't forgive us the repeat sins. When 1 John 1.9 says very clearly, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from most unrighteousness. All. 
Absolutely. It says all unrighteousness. He's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Doesn't that sound like true arene? Doesn't that sound like peace, wholeness, completeness in the Holy Spirit? A new, peaceful, whole creation in Christ. So I don't know about you, but I could really use to feel complete in the Holy Spirit. So why don't we commit to the Lord together, each other, to pursue wholeness and mutual upbuilding? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this, this time for us to be together. God, I pray that you would just overwhelm us Thank you for getting to sing songs about the Spirit of God and Him moving in us and wanting to move through us. Lord, help us to make short accounts when we haven't confessed sin to you. Help us to move quickly to, from confession to repentance and to moving forward to get back to the works that you want us to do, to bless other people. Lord, thank you for Discovery Point. Lord, I, the short time that I've been here with my family, I, I feel it from people that honestly want to follow and trust you. Lord, bless your people all around the world that we would be pursuing peace and mutual upbuilding. Lord, we need it like never before until you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.